I didn't know anything about Leia. And I was, I panicked at one point because you're supposed to pick what, what department, what speciality you want to have. And I didn't know. I like everything a little bit and I didn't know which one to choose. And it turns out that's good news because in layout, we do a little bit of everything. We have to, we have to build the scene in a way that it's, it's presentable to the director. Because the reason why I decided to do what I do was when I saw the the extended edition DVDs for the Lord of the Rings because I was in it was in a moment in my life when I didn't know what to do with my life and I loved movies but I didn't know making movies was an option and when I saw that that DVD with the with all the documentaries on how the movie was made it was a movie that I loved that that's when I had the idea of okay you can make movies using a computer that's what I want to do so they were the ones that inspired me wet weta in in New Zealand the ones the ones that inspired me to leave everything I was doing because it was not making sense for me <clears throat> and and jump into animation VFX so I was sending I I sent them my reel and my resume million times <laughs> since I finished school and and obviously they didn't respond at first because I didn't have the any much to offer but I kept insisting until they finally replied one day and they they um, made me an offer and I got to join them and it was by chance they were working on the Hobbit so I had I had I was fortunate enough to to move to New Zealand and work on the Hobbit trilogy with the same team that inspired me to start doing what I do. So it was like like perfect circle. I could I could close the circle and it was a dream come true for me. We're even more productive in in many ways than from the studio cuz cuz there's no commute, there's no excuses to get late, there's no long coffee breaks and you can even when when you're when you need to attend a meeting that you don't need to participate but you need to be listening to what's happening you can you could be listening to the meeting while you work hi so welcome to vfx artist podcast this week we have carolina jimenez garcia I hope I said that right. You pronounced it really well. I'm impressed. <laughs> uh, thank you. Hello, Daniel. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. Um, so we've got, you can see the time zone difference. Uh, Carolina is in Canada and is now Canadian, actually. I saw yeah. from your Insta story. So you, you're a Canadian citizen. Like a couple of weeks ago, was it? Like a month ago? No, it was uh, last year, like six months ago. Oh, so, okay, so finally, finally, after a few years, I'm, I'm originally from Spain, but now I'm Canadian also. So double citizenship. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, dual citizenship is the way to go. Um, yeah. So, and I'm here, it's nighttime, so you can see I'm in the dark. And I have my coffee with me. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have hot chocolate in there. <laughs> um, tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, and um, how you got started. Um, hello everybody, I'm, I'm Carolina and I'm a layout artist and in VFX for movies and TV shows now. We do a lot of TV shows now uh, due to the pandemic as well, which we can talk about that later. And, and yeah, I'm specialized in, in, in layout, in the layout department. I'm originally from Spain and now I live in Canada, in Vancouver, in rainy Vancouver. Today's super rainy, actually. I, I took the, the pup out before this recording just to make sure that he's napping while we record because he's a puppy and he can be noisy. 
and it, and it was pouring rain. But that's fine. That's this is rain cooler, so that's that's fine. And it was a long trip and long journey till I get here because I I've been bouncing around the globe, uh, chasing work like many of us have. I'm not I'm not the only one. Yeah, we, you were in Weta as well, right? Mm-hmm. So I saw your hobbits on your reel. I'm wondering. Yeah. So so that's yeah, yeah literally everywhere around the world, like Spain, New Zealand. Yeah, it's been. It was Madrid, Australia, then London, then New Zealand, and then here. So it's been quite a journey. But it's it's the VFX journey, right? It's it's what many of us do, and it's been really interesting. It's been really interesting. I had the. Uh, I I feel very lucky. I feel very fortunate that I I got a job that uh, allows me to travel around the world and learn other languages and and meet other cultures and and get other nationalities. <laughs> so so I I think we're fortunate in that in that way. And I've been in Vancouver the longest I've been after getting out of Spain, which has been seven years almost. And and yeah, so so far I'm I'm staying here for a while because it's moving from country to country. It's it can be painful at times, but yeah, it's been quite an adventure. It is. I mean, it, you know, there's an excitement, um, and obviously, I think the younger you are, the the more fun it is, and the the more you want to settle down. You know, then the more things you get, like a dog, even a pug, <laughs> let alone kids. Um, but I mean, even a dog, right? Once you get a dog, wait, how are you gonna? Hey, I can take my dog whatever I want. Yeah, oh, I, yeah, I don't know. yeah. He's he's had as adventurous as I am. I'm hoping, but he's a, he's a puppy still. But yeah, he's a pandemic dog. When you're working eight nine hours minimum every day at the studio, there's there's no way you can have a dog. It's going to be home alone waiting for you. So, but now we're all working from home. So now I could have a dog. So yeah, it's another pandemic dog. <laughs> As long as you say you keep the pandemic dog, the pandemic dogs are not just for pandemics; they're for life. No, obviously, obviously, it's. Uh, I, I've been wanting to have a dog for. I had dogs all my life, and I've been wanting to have a dog for a long, long time. But, but yeah, work didn't allow me. So now, yeah. Great. Um. So asking about layout. So I mean, I've always associated layout with more with match move, and but actually, a lot of the shows and a lot of shots I've seen on your reel. Um, you know, they they were they're completely CG. So your layout is actually you know coming. You're in fact you're doing the camera work. You're creating the camera from nothing, really. So um, tell us a little bit about how you approach layout and um, how it works. Yeah, layout. It's sometimes, especially when you're when you're at the beginning of your career, it's one of the departments that's probably less understood in general because it's not. It's not in the name what we do. Everybody knows what animation does or what what modeling does, but what's layout? I didn't know what layout was when I got out of the animation school because no one no one told me. But yeah, our main um, responsibility and our main um, work is the camera. The camera is the main product of the work that layout does. If if we have a track camera if we have a plate then uh sometimes it's just a track camera we don't change much sometimes we have to use the track camera as a starting point so we can use the plate and then modify that camera in in the way that the shot needs and when it's a full CG shot like you say then we have complete 
lip, uh, freedom and to place the camera and animate the camera the way we want. And not only the camera, obviously we have to place in front of the camera everything that needs to be in front of the camera. We, we get uh, a clean plate with, with everything, with all the green screens re removed and everything that doesn't need to be there removed. And then we have to add everything that needs to be there. It could be environments, it could be characters and everything, everything that needs to, all the set dressing. And we do an animation blocking, which means that everything that moves, we move it. As a chess piece animation, we don't do detail animation, but composition of the shot, it's our responsibility as well. So if things move, it affects the composition. So we do an animation blocking and then all those assets and all those <clears throat> elements that we put in front of the camera and the camera, we pass to the other, to the next departments in the pipeline. Usually after us, comes animation and they do the detail animation. We don't, we don't pay a lot of attention on moving um, detail fingers or obviously faces, anything like that. So we say that's, that's why we call it chase piece animation. Things move from point A to point B at the right speed and, and at the right place. And then we pass that to, to animation and they do the. Yeah. So, so I'm guessing, so for example, a character enters a room in a wide shot um they while the other character is speaking they they pace across the room and when they reach um their line of dialogue they're in a close-up and so it's a close-up shot of them and they deliver their line of dialogue so you would make sure that they that they're proper properly framed and that they move at the right speed and that they're at the right distance from the camera uh, and, and if it's a dialogue, it's pretty easy. But when we're talking about, I don't know, car chases or uh, monsters fighting or out of space madness, then there are a lot of things moving and everything it's going to, everything that moves is going to affect the, the framing and the composition. So we have to make sure that the camera does the right thing at the right speed and everything moves at the right speed. So that becomes the reference that the other departments, especially animation, used to do their, their thing. And so as you move up through the ranks from like your first job as a, in layout and to senior and to lead, how, how does that role evolve? I think that's probably like in every other department. Uh, you, you start as a junior and then you, you work hard, you get more experience. As you get experience, you get more responsibilities and, and then you get in charge of maybe a sequence and then you get in charge of maybe a shot, a, a, a complete uh, show maybe and then you get a team that you have to supervise and help uh, those who have less experience than you do and and it's it's a journey it's a like but i think it's the same for everybody right oh yeah no, i absolutely that is um absolutely true i more specifically though i mean so i guess you would start you'd be given layout shots um and they'd probably more be from match move because it's a little bit simpler to to follow and, and as you are more senior, they entrust you to actually, you know, perhaps manipulate the camera more and move things around. And yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, you you train your juniors not only in layout, also in the pipeline, because every studio has a different pipeline, and they need to get comfortable on on how to or the steps you need to take to bring everything that you need to your scene and how how to move everything. Well how to move everything and, and how you train your eye for composition, for 
for framing and all that stuff. It also comes with time, but then also how to package everything to publish to other departments. That's more technical than, than artistic probably. And, and, and that's something you need to learn every time you start in a new studio because every studio is, is slightly different. But artistically, yeah, you start with, with simpler things and then, and then you, you challenge the, the juniors slowly to, to push them to, to learn what, yeah, step by step. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because probably the ultimate goal is to be able to, to work on a full CG shot that's long and crazy and be able to deal with it by yourself. And those can be challenging and also a lot of fun. We have the most fun with with uh, full CG shots, obviously. Yeah, because you've got the the freedom to to well to be be the cameraman. Camera yeah, exactly, person. exactly. So you studied you studied animation uh, in Madrid. Did you study in Madrid? Is that mm-hmm. what? Which yeah. um, where did you study? It was kind of a long time ago now. Damn, they were only back then, and I say back then as if it was yeah, but it was it's more than a decade ago and there were only like two schools in madrid that because everything was super new and this was uh this was not very popular yet and and so it was there was not a lot of options out there now it's easier there are a lot of schools and you could study online and their universities are, are offering this kind of thing but back then there were only two schools and and they would teach us a general i, I did like a master course where they they teach us almost a bit of everything because there were not enough people to to divide us in groups for for different different departments so i learned a little bit of animation modeling lighting so it was a bit of everything which was good because that's what a layout artist needs to be a good generalist i didn't know anything about layout and i was i panicked at one point because you're supposed to pick what what department what speciality you want to have and i didn't know i like everything a little bit and i didn't know which one to choose and it turns out that's good news because in layout we do a little bit of everything we have to we have to build the scene in a way that it's is presentable to the director that means sometimes we need to do a little bit of modeling a little bit of texturing it's not final textures but so we don't present things in gray shaders. We do a little bit of texturing. We do a little bit of lighting. It's not final lighting, but we need to figure out where light comes from, especially if it's important for storytelling. So we can show uh, a better looking, um, a beauty pass of what the show is going, the shot is going to look like to the director. So we do a little bit of everything, and that's super fun. <laughs> so, how does that relate to like previous and post phase? Are you? Are you connected? Are you pulling stuff in? Pushing? Oh yeah, previous is basically our reference. So we get when we start uh, a new shot, we usually have obviously the director's indications from the VFX soup, and we have the previous version of of the shots of the movie or the sequence at least the sequences that we're going to work on. We have a previous version that it's. It's just a reference, but it's a good reference because the director likes it. And that's our starting point. So previous is what we use as reference, but it's we need to use the proper camera and the proper plate and the proper assets um, to use in previous as a starting point, build a shot. So given that you're quite generalist, a generalist department, are you um, are you mostly working are you mostly working Maya? I mean I presume. Yeah. And and is it and do you think that's always going to stay the same or are there any sort of 
things on the horizon. At school, I, I learned 3D Studio Max, oddly enough. And my first movie was an animation, was Planet 51. It was completely done in 3D Max. And then I switched to, well, I, my second movie was uh, Happy Feet 2, was also animation. And then I switched to VFX and then I had to learn uh, Maya, but I started with 3D Studio Max and I have um, used Maya ever since then and I don't think it's going to change. We In Skyline we also use 3D Studio Max because the, the, the fluid simulation that we use in some of the lighting is based on 3D Studio Max, so we use both, but not in layout. In layout it's just, it's just Maya and I haven't used much else the rest of my, of my career. So, and I don't know if that, that really, that will change. I'm not sure. Do you think the real time sort of stuff might get involved in? Yes, that, that, that's coming. That definitely is coming and it's influencing what workflow and, and the ideas that the new ideas that the technology is given to, to filmmakers. But I don't know if we're going to implement it, um, in our workflow in, in the pipeline with Maya. I, I, we're, still, we're still figuring those things out. Yeah, exciting, exciting times, I guess. And, and as a lead, that's going to be a big part of your, your role to look at these possibilities if they start. Yeah, for now, it's just it's more of a curiosity thing and the studio wants us to know what it is and, and there's um, already training options so we understand what might come um, our way but but still not uh, we're not using it daily but yeah we're, we're starting to learn what what it is and what it means and what, could, what will mean in the future probably near future yeah because I mean if you even if you're putting stuff out that's not final quality mm -hmm. the fact you've got access to things like mega scans and, and this crazy stuff that is just looks amazing um, and even if you're going to put something else in, it's it's still way better than what you would have put in before, right? So a Megascan's tree is, looks like a tree. <laughs> you don't have to yeah. do much more to it. Yeah, it's going to definitely affect the way we do and the way we present things and and stuff like that. Yeah, interesting times. And you have a really strong um, knowledge of um, trends in the history of the industry. I mean, I followed um, before I. Uh, knew specifically what job you did. I saw that you have a very strong um, Twitter channel. It's a Spanish language channel yeah. um, aimed at a generalist audience, I'd say. Mm -hmm. But it's it's kind of a big deal. I mean, it's like something like what, more than 70,000 followers on, on Twitter. And, and mostly I don't I don't go in, in depth or in detail into VFX technical stuff. It's more filmmaking. It's just because we love film, obviously. We, uh, I do what I do because I love what I do because I love films and filmmaking. So I'm, I'm investigating how they do stuff and how technology evolves and how the history of film and film history, how everything started, what, what those who started inventing and investigating the technology of how cinema started and how everything evolved technically. I find all of that super interesting and, and relevant to what we do because those are the fathers of, of the things we do, or the, all the tricks we use. So I, it's easy to share it out with, with other people that are interested in the same things in, in social media and apparently people like it. <laughs> yeah, no, they do. Um, uh, so, um, what, um, do you want to give the um, the hashtag? Not the hashtag. The oh my god, 
the name of the account yeah it's it's a bit it's a bit tricky because it's okay infografia it's in spanish i'm sorry guys we'll write it down later but it's brilliant we'll put we'll we'll post the link but if you speak spanish or if you're learning spanish or interested in spanish it's brilliant la sensación que nos produce el uso de un color en el cine depende en gran medida de cómo lo combinemos con otros colores de qué color predomine o de qué colores estén ausentes Existen diferentes esquemas de color posibles. El director, junto con el director de fotografía y los equipos de diseño de producción y dirección artística, seleccionan cuidadosamente la paleta de color que usarán y que establecerá en gran medida el tono de la película a través de la atmósfera visual que transmitirá. I actually found, even though you know my Spanish. And Twitter, Twitter translate it for you if you if you need to, to into English. You can, you can. Give it a try. Yeah, you can use Google Translate and translate it. But I found, like, for example, even though I, I'm still sort of, you know, intermediate Spanish, I speak Italian, so I kind of guess. There you go. It's close. Close, yeah. But you did one about um, some of the the volume stuff used on The Mandalorian, and I found it was actually one of the better explanations I found um, and easier to follow, that, you know, and it gave me a better sort of understanding of the sort of weaknesses and strengths compared as a, just as a big sort of complete introduction. Then a lot of stuff that was in English, even though that's my native language. You know. When when I learned there was a new technology that was being used in the Mandalorian, it was important. It was important for me to understand what it was and why it was new and what everybody was talking about it. So I did my own research, and the way I understood it is the way I I tried to explain it. So I try I try to explain things the way I would like people to explain things to me, and I do it in Spanish because usually there's more information um, in English in general. So I try to to pass all this information to the Spanish speaking community in the world, which is huge, and and I enjoy it very much. So so yeah, thanks. <laughs> very cool. I, if if anyone on the podcast can hear stomping, that's my end. That's my children. Um, hopefully I'll be able to get all of those stompings out. But yeah, unfortunately, their children they stomp. Uh, this is life. Hey, my 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 dog is asleep. That's why you don't hear him. But you could. <laughs> oh, we had a cat jump into the last uh, the last uh, recording I did. So we've had you know we've had all sorts. Um, yeah, so I that's that's really cool. Uh, we will post a link to that, and I think um, you've used it very effectively because the threads are quite informative. Um, they're all quite tightly um, themed, and the account itself is is quite clear. Like it's all about that, and I've noticed that. Your when you want to do something yet, talk about something else, it's on a different platform. Like your Instagram is totally different; it's not related at all. Yeah. And I, and I think that's really clever. I think that's something that anyone that's sort of in, interested in expanding their social media presence can can look at and go, "Oh, this is great!" You know, I can post my my selfies and and you know my stuff on Instagram and my cosplay and all this corner of cool fun stuff more more personal more day-to-day life and in twitter is more more to talk about movies and filmmaking and and st- even though sometimes I, we, we all go be personal why not but but yeah and, and youtube is more for longer educational videos that i take time to make and stuff like that yeah every every option has something different to offer yeah yeah i think i mean obviously you could use any platform for any one of these things but i think it's a good idea if you are um building some kind of presence to you know specialize each one each platform into a into something so the people kind of have an idea of what they're following what they're what they're in for what they're, what you're about 
Um, and of course, they can if they want to if they're interested in you and they want to learn more about you in general, they can follow you everywhere. <laughs> this can- you want to see pictures of my dog? Then that's Instagram. <laughs> There's a lot of them. Way too many. Brilliant. Um, never too many. Pic- <laughs> that's so true. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, so the producer I work with who loves pugs, and we gave her when she left. We gave her like a a pug um, pendant, I think. So, yeah. So she'll probably be following your account now. Um, So anyway, um, going back to sort of layout and stuff like that. So what um, has been your favorite project? By far, the Hobbit trilogy. more, More than technically or artistically or professionally, professionally for sure, but it's almost personally. Because for me, it was like a dream come true. Because the reason why I decided to do what I do was when I saw the the extended edition DVDs for The Lord of the Rings. Because I was in it was in a moment in my life when I didn't know what to do with my life. And I love movies, but I didn't know making movies was an option. And when I saw that that DVD with the with all the documentaries on how the movie was made, it was a movie that I loved. That that's when I had the idea of okay, you can make movies using a computer. That's what I want to do. So they were the ones that inspired me. Wet Weta in in New Zealand, the ones that, the ones that inspired me to leave everything I was doing because it was not making sense for me, <clears throat> and and jump into animation VFX. So I was sending I I sent them my reel and my resume million times <laughs> since I finished school and and obviously they didn't respond at first because I didn't have the any much to offer but I kept insisting until they finally replied one day and they they um, made me an offer and I got to join them and it was by chance they were working on the Hobbit so I had I had I was fortunate enough to to move to New Zealand and work on the Hobbit trilogy with the same team that inspired me to start doing what I do. So it was like like perfect circle. I could I could close the circle and it was a dream come true for me. Uh, yeah, and I think we've all experienced that a little bit as you get more senior in, in, in the industry is that you start out and it's so difficult. You know, you, you send out your book and of course you maybe you haven't got any professional work, so you know, and, and you don't get a reply. Um, and then you, or maybe you are working, but you're not quite in the the sector or the, the the kind of projects that you want to to work in, and so you haven't got anything that's similar to what they do to show them in your reel. Um, but eventually, you hit a point where it's like you've got everything, and they they and suddenly they go from like not even like replying to like sometimes coming for you, and you haven't even applied to them. Um, and it's interesting. It's it's quite a, a sort of gratifying feeling when you realize, oh wow, I've 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 come somewhere. I <clears throat> we all start from the bottom, obviously, and and the first steps are really hard to take because, like you say, you you don't have much to show, and to be hired to do what you want to do because you haven't done it before. So you have to keep trying until someone sees something in you that that fits what they're looking for, and or they desperate in desperate need for hiring people, which is also a good thing, because when when they hired juniors, at least back then, when at the end of a production, we need to give a last push. And sometimes they they hire more people at the end. And when they're not, they don't have many options. They, they get the people that 
might work but don't have that much experience and that's when you you get your first chance and and then once you you're in and then you get more experience you have more things to show and then things get a bit easier it's easier to find other opportunities in inside the industry once you're in but getting in it's it can be tricky and it took me a few years like like everybody i guess yeah no it it, it it i think it's much harder to find your first job than to find any other job I mean, unless you unless you really mess it up exactly exactly but but yeah but uh, that's that's the, the same for everybody in every industry probably beginnings are tough just but it's still worth it so keep trying you're at wet and also you worked on the planet uh i think it was dawn of the planet yes in between hobbits we worked in a couple more more uh shows in between the hobbits yeah but there, I, I mean there's some really great you know work in that movie i mean i think it's, that was fun no it was fun it's, too. it's where they really push the the boundaries of what of realism i think you know in terms of um some of the quality maybe for, from the layout perspective that doesn't change that much i guess whether how real the, the final lighting and depositing works perhaps although does it change the way you're the way they're expecting you to move the cameras and things like that cameras in didn't change much the experience for us on 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 planet of the apes uh, specifically but what i remember that was challenging for for planet was the set dressing i remember do you remember the the california street charge where all the apes are uh riding horses and shooting guns and you know that stuff well in layout we had to do all the set dressing for that that street the entire street and it's it's an abandoned uh los angeles and it's been abandoned for for years so we had to put every, every like vines um uh crawling up the buildings and and there was grass growing in every crack in the in the road and we had to put the grass bits one by one just to make sure that everything was detailed and and it took it took a lot of time and then by the end everything is dark and there's a lot of smoke and then explosions and you don't see the grass but we spent a lot of weeks making sure that every piece of detail and every piece of grass and all, all the, the 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 junk and all the debris that surround was there so you don't see it but it's there believe me <laughs> it was it was challenging that I, I did even see a meme like that. It was talking about Blade Runner forty nine, and it's and it was like, Modeler, look at all the detail of the city I built." And then the composite is like about that, and then it shows the the big <laughs> smoked out scene of of Los Angeles. I mean, I guess that happens to you guys a lot, right? Like, I mean, it's not an uncommon experience. It's but it happens to all of us. We sometimes an entire shot or entire sequence gets cut out. So you work, you're working in a shot, and you you put your your soul and your heart in it for for days and days, and then in in editing gets cut out because that those things happen, and you're like, where was my? It's supposed to be my shot. There, it's not there anymore. So it's not that you don't see the grass. It's that you don't see the shot. But that that's how movies work, right? So that that happened. That has happened to all of us, and that's fine. Yeah, no, it's you've got to take the the, the heartbreak with the with the, with the fun. Um, <laughs> what can you do what can you do and and i guess as a as a lead as well there's something you've got to, i mean the genius might not be quite as tough at that stuff and you've got to keep them excited when you know you're like well yeah i know you did that great work and they're not putting it in the movie 
and now you need to do some more great work, which will go in the movie. <laughs> and this is the first time that happens to you, but it's not going to be the last. <laughs> so you better deal with it. Yeah, no, that's that's yeah, that's how movie works, and it's happened since since films exist. So yeah, sometimes your your part gets cut out. Yeah. It must be harder when you're when you're an actor. It must be much harder. Yeah. I I I, <laughs> I had a, a friend in in Italy, and he they had a he had a really awful contract where he's like his payment was dependent on being in the edit. So not only was he cut out of this commercial, but then he was no longer being paid. For it. Oh my god, no! <laughs> at least we get paid for all the hours that we put in. At least. Yeah. Well, most of the hours. Uh, oh, no, you're in Canada, so you get paid all the hours that you work. Yeah, you're in London, so you sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. Yeah, that's part of the industry. It's getting too. better. It's it's getting better. There are companies starting to pay overtime, and generally companies are asking, you know, are not pushing for all of that unpaid overtime like a few years, not all that long ago. Um, and I think that might just be because it's harder to get artists, and it might be because um, I think they're realizing that actually the quality of work is better if you don't mess people about. Obviously, obviously, if you keep if you keep your team uh, well taken care of and happy, then the results are going to be better as well, and, and we deserve to be paid for the time we put in. If they're going to ask us to put extra effort and time, we we deserve to be compensated. Everybody does deserves to be compensated. Yeah. The industry has gotten much better with with the years. You would agree with me. Uh, it was, you know, slowly. We're getting there slowly. And how has it compared? Um, obviously, the studios, but you've actually. Uh, so, uh, did you ever actually work in Spain? Yeah, my first movie. My, well, the first uh, project that I did was a TV show. That that was the first project that I could do in the right direction instead of just doing, I don't know, in anything other than doing actual things that got me to where I wanted to go and so my first uh, show was a TV show and then my first movie was in Spain and after that I I moved to Australia so yeah a little bit I worked in a little bit so how how does how have you found the work culture compares in these different countries is it is there things you sort of like in one place that you would like to bring to other places that you've worked or more than countries, the difference is not so much in between countries as in between studios. I think, because in the same in the same country, you change to another studio, and the the work ethic or culture is could be quite different. So, and and in Spain, I only work in one studio, so I don't have all that much to compare with. And same with with New Zealand, with Australia. So. Uh, more than changing countries, I feel like I change studios, I change companies. And here in Canada, I've worked in, in two companies and they were quite different from each other as well. So I think at least from my, my experience, the differences come from studio to studio or than country to country. When at least work-wise, living-wise, yes, it's different. Living in, in London is very different from living in New Zealand and very different from living in Australia or Canada. But the work itself is not that different. I, I find. And I guess the people are often the same, right? <laughs> Wherever you go, you meet the same, you see the same faces sometimes. You say, yeah, exactly. And, and there are, you have co-workers from all around the world. We all speak English, but we have a million different accents and, and we do our best to communicate. And, and there's not one culture per country because because the we're, each one of us is from different places. And, 
And that's also the beauty of it. Yeah. Are there many Canadians working in Canadian studios? Because I, I don't see many. Like when I look on LinkedIn and things like that. Well, maybe because it's it's a it's a big film industry in general. There are a lot of schools, so sometimes, most times, we try to to hire juniors from directly after school around here. But layout, for example, I think from the time we were like twenty people in layout around here, in 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 Scanline, I think there were three, four Canadians. That's it, and everybody else was from from elsewhere. <laughs> Uh, so and and that's that's great. I I think that's great. People so for all colors, sizes, nationalities, and yeah, that's great. Cool, cool, cool. Um, um, so is uh so going back to Canada actually. So Canada is you're working in film. You're also doing TV now. Film obviously has this um the whole and Vancouver has the whole tax um credit thing that brings the projects in, but like with London has a similar thing but then of course there's the advertising industry and there are things like the bbc so is there something similar in canada with a lot of sort of um canadian content that's getting made that would get made even if all the hollywood studios went away or if the government came and said we're not doing this tax thing mm, actually i'm not sure because the projects i get to work on are not necessarily canadian projects they're they're made here and sometimes they're uh, shot here but in general, they're not Canadian Canadian. So they're, obviously there are Canadian projects, but I'm not sure how many or how, how, that, how it works compared to London. Not sure. Not sure. I know when I fly with, with Air Canada, most movies in, in, the, in the plane where you fly are from Canada and they do that. And so I get to see what movies Canada has made when I'm flying. But in general, I, uh, yeah, we, our projects are more... Hollywood kind of projects. Yeah. yeah. Same for you guys, because it doesn't matter right now where you are. We all work in the same movies anyways. Oh, yeah, pretty much. Um, I, I just started going back to advertising now, so I'm going to be on different things. Um, so we'll see. A uh, bit of change, change of pace. Um, but yeah, very often it's... Um, Hollywood, sometimes some British and European movies, which is always fun, especially if they get to have And refreshing, it. also refreshing. I think it's good that, you know, it's not just Hollywood dominating all the VFX movies. I mean, all, all the movies in general. I mean, I think it's just one way of looking at the world. Um, and sometimes it's nice to have different perspectives that all oh, yeah. have enough, you know, enough Absolutely. budget to, to market them and to, and to technically reach all the levels that they want to do. Um, and it, obviously, the, it gets much harder with genres that need more money, like sci-fi or whatever. I mean, but I like to, comedies, yet more so. But the I like to give us an example: Mad Max Fury Road. It's a movie. It's an amazing movie. It's very different from what we used to from Hollywood because it's it was made by an Australian filmmaker that I absolutely adore, and and it's it's filled with VFX done by the same studios that usually work in the other kind of movies. So it was so refreshing to see a different take because we we get so used to the Hollywood structure of movies that we end up feeling that they're all more or less the same because they follow the same structure. So when you get something different from from a different filmmaker, uh, from different place it's really refreshing and you learn a lot but um yeah so going back to um i guess what you do in your in your day-to-day -day, 
Um, so how, um, how, how would your day, your typical working day kind of? Well, now things have changed a lot in the pandemic. So now we're all working from home. So my day to day now is quite different from what it used to be before the pandemic. So now we don't have an excuse to get to start late, right? Because my, my work studio is right there. <laughs> So it's, I try to, to go for a walk is not now that we're working from home and we have to make an effort to get out and to get, to exercise a little bit and to socialize, uh, in a safe way with our, our workmates. I miss them a lot. It's the, the, I rather work from home now. I enjoy it very much and we're, we're very productive, but I miss, I miss the, the coffee with the girls and I meet the, miss the the department the meeting the department meeting every week and 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 the feedback you get when you when you're working physically surrounded by your workmates and we can uh challenge each other and ask each other questions and stuff like that that's the part that i think is missing the most but everything else is basically the same only we have dailies online we have dailies once a day and and we work in our stuff and i try to to stay communicated with my with my team through um, online chatting and video conferences and phone calls and stuff like that. We have to make an extra effort because we're not physically seeing each other. Yeah, especially with juniors, I guess. Yeah, exactly. You have to, to be on, on top of things and making, making sure that everything, everybody needs everything they need and stuff like that. But other than that is do our shots and uh, get together in, together in dailies to see what we worked on and, and yeah and we've learned now it's normal now it's, it was so weird at the beginning but now it's it's what we do it has yeah and it, it was also considered impossible right you're told you can't work on these franchises from home because of security and you can't you can't do it but we find a way and we're we're even more productive in, in many ways than from the studio because because there's no commute there's no excuses to get late there's no long coffee breaks and you can even when when you're when you need to attend a meeting that you don't need to participate but you need to be listening to what's happening you can you could be listening to the meeting while you work something was impossible before now you had to go to the to the meeting room and spend the time that you need in the meeting and and now i can be listening to whatever is needed to be i need to know while i'm still working stuff yeah this is like the biggest productivity boost i found from working from home <coughs> is um the fact that podcasts become i mean the dailies becomes like a podcast you can just have it on <laughs> listen to it do your work you hear your shot name, you jump in. I mean, I'm always exactly. behind with the mute button and all these things. Exactly. You need to remember to mute yourself. <laughs> and we've all but, learned that. Like, it's really useful because if dailies, especially you have, when you have later on, you get like dailies twice a day. Or three times. Now that I'm working on three shows at the same time, I have dailies three three times a day. And and in, in the studio, it would be a lot of sitting on a room um, time. And now I can be sitting in front of my computer while I wait for dailies and I and we do all that stuff. So, in, and, and also overtime is easier because I would rather do overtime at home than at the studio if I have to stay late. It's much easier and it, it, feels, it feels different. And so in a way, we're working more 
Sometimes, sometimes, yeah. I, I, but then I, the save of the commute actually kind of it feels like if I'm saving, I mean, it might be like maybe two and a half hours, maybe even three hours a day. Then even if I had to do two hours overtime, it's not as bad. It's not as bad, and it it feels it feels easier, and and you get more work done in less time. So it's also less overtime in a way, and you're not when you're in the studio and you need to stay late and you know you have to commute home late and it's dark and you're hungry and you don't want to eat overtime food and all that stuff it ends up being those two hours of extra time end up being miserable when you're home it's not that bad because you're at home and you while you're rendering you can prepare yourself something healthy to eat and you have your dog with you and, and, and you get and you finish faster let's say so it's it's not that bad in that way yeah, no, it's a, it's a lot easier. And we've gone, started, people have started going back into the office now, but it's still, you know, very much a mixed, but you're going in two, two, or two times a week, maybe three times a week, and you're working two or three times at home, which I think works quite well. Um, but Most I people don't want to go back to the studio. No, I don't know I, if they're it's amazing. I, I found it really right? funny. I've seen a few, like, on you know, big company meetings where they've talked about pitching the return to the office as this amazing thing, and then I'm watching the chat simultaneously, and it's not very popular. Like, lots of people are like, they actually, now I've, you know, I'm with my cat, and I'm, <laughs> I'm not traveling on the tube. I mean, if you've, you know, you've, you've been in London, you travel on the tube. And yeah. The train, and it's... It's not fun. <laughs> it's not fun. So if, if they make it optional or stuff like that, or it's just once or twice a week, I would be fine. I would be okay with that because I would get to see my workmates again, who I love. I miss the team. But I I don't want to go full time to the studio, honestly. Yeah, I, I think I don't think anyone really does um, unless. And I'm lucky. I'm lucky enough that I can walk to work. But still. Wow. So how far is it if you walk? Half an hour. Oh wow! So it's really, really close. So is Vancouver very small? I mean, well, the downtown, the the core downtown, it's small. You can walk from side to side in half an hour. Well, it's it's long. So the the yeah, it's half an hour on from. I, I'm on one side of the water, and and the studio would be at the other side, and it's half an hour walk. And uh, Vancouver, the the metropolis is bigger obviously but the downtown the studios that are downtown or ac are it's very manageable in that way except for it rains because <laughs> it's half an hour to under the rain to get there and half an hour back which is also okay we all have big umbrellas and strong boots now <laughs> and and then you get snow as well and cold if a cold not much when it's not much, because this side, this coast, and, and Vancouver is the mildest of the weathers in Canada. If you go to the other coast, Toronto or or Quebec or that that side, that's bad. And they're like minus minus a lot, and they get a lot of snow and a lot of ice. When it snows a couple times here, and when it snows, it's kind of messy because it's it's really wet snow, so it's it's ends up being just sluggish in, in, on the ground. So it's, it's more uncomfortable than, than it doesn't get that all that cold. Um, so I, I guess as a lead, you're also going to have some involvement in, in recruitment, even if you're not looking at reels, I guess at, at some point they're going to say, hey, we've got this person we want to bring in your department. 
Not necessarily. That's more of a supervisor kind of role. If if they're thinking of hiring someone that I've worked with or that they think I might know, they might ask for my opinion. But in general, I we don't get involved in 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 at least in Scanline. I don't know. It, it might not work the same way in other studios, but uh, that's a supervisor role. Okay. Yeah. No. It, it just depends also the size uh, because, true. As you know, like when the when as the studios get bigger. The, I mean, lead and supervisor gets blurred in a smaller studio, and it 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 tends. In in general, we have we have one lead per show, and one supervisor per department. So I can I can be leading one or two shows and and helping on a third one like I'm doing now. And uh, I don't always lead. Sometimes I just jump in to help whoever has a lot of work, and and then we have a head of department. Cool. Um. So apart from like, I mean, how close is your Maya to just like Stan and Maya? Are you using things to, to, I mean, what sort of things are you setting up to make your job a bit easier? I think I, I think that's also probably common into in all studios and all departments. We have the basic Maya, obviously, that is what we what we use the the basics of of what Maya comes with. But then we create our own tools. We have tools for for bringing in what we need. <clears throat> They're uh, tailored for for our pipeline, and it, it picks things the way we need them to. And and when we publish things as well, or when we need to to make um, more tedious work, we make them automatic by creating a tool that makes things for us and stuff like that. We have a pipeline, like every studio obviously have a pipeline department that programs those things for us. And so, yeah, we, we have a, a slightly different Maya than everybody else. And yeah, no one, I, none of these softwares come out, are used as they come out of the box anyway. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And we have different tabs for different departments and we have our, our own special tools that we get developing, um, it's, it's in constant uh, are, you, are you involved in that and or at least in asking for them or we like... yes uh artists work hand by hand with uh the the pipeline department and we ask them what we think could be improved or what we think we need or we uh, and they get feedback from us and we test things that we, they they do and we make sure that it, it it goes the right direction and they need our feedback obviously to make the tools uh usable for us and and we need their feedback to to know what's possible and what's not and and things like that so yeah it's, it's teamwork cool um and in terms of notes i guess you at some point client notes are going to affect what you do but as well as client notes you might get notes i guess from animation or lighting that they need this or they need that so how um how are you set up for how are you set up for dealing with with feedback on your? Well, we we get uh, notes from client for because layout needs to be approved by the client before we pass everything to the next uh, departments. So the only times that things come back to us after we pass everything to animation is when things change or there's a sequence changing or there's a new camera, there's a new read time and, and they need to push things back to us to do our stuff again for them or when something breaks because things break as well and, and we need to redo things that are not working properly. But uh, generally speaking, in an ideal world, when, when the client approves our work, then we should be done, layout is done, and then we pass everything to the, to the next departments and, and, 
and that's it. That's that. That was our part. And in terms of like animation and and real world effects, obviously, if you have match move cameras, that changes things a little bit. But in terms of full CG, is it pretty similar if it's animation or if it's photo real? Is, is it really changing anything for you? The only difference is that we have obviously we we don't have a plate, we don't have the restriction of the camp track, and and we have the freedom to to do whatever whatever we want to do. We still have to stick with the with the previous and and follow instructions obviously depending on the on the show and the director we have more or less freedom sometimes we can we can give ideas or try to to propose things but some but in most cases especially in bigger bigger movies we have to stick with with the previous and what the director or the the client wants but but there's not much difference other than that the the workflow is the same when you have to, when you want to propose something creatively, so you would propose that to the supervisor, and then they would propose it to the client, or yeah, usually we like it's, uh, artists show their stuff to the lead, lead show stuff to the to the studio VFX supervisor. Every every show has a studio VFX supervisor for Scanline in this case, and the VFX supervisor in the studio shows our work to the VFX supervisor for client with who is the one that is in direct contact with the director so once they approve they show to the director the director approves great if not director notes go down the ladder down to us again and then we have to start over and show the 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 studio vfx soup and then the the client vfx soup and then director and then back then yeah do you, do you ever do you ever think it would be nice if they just sat in a room i mean i i, I feel like layouts <laughs> You could set it up to, I mean, that's one of the things with thinking of some of the, the real talk is like where, you know, if you could just have them sitting next to you, like, like a flame up or a colorist does and just do layout stuff. If the, if the director had the time to sit by my side and tell me what they need, we'll be faster, but they don't have the time to sit every, the side of every artist or her studio, wherever there's a lot of us. Oh yeah. So oh, this, yeah. Yeah, this is the, the, I guess the most efficient way still. <laughs> And the VFX supervisor, especially on the client side, they they know what the director wants, and they they they're the ones that tell the director what's possible and what's not, and all that stuff. So when when they show stuff to the director, it's much closer to what they know the director wants than if we started from scratch. What's the biggest like um, change you've seen in a sequence or show you've been working on? Oh, reshoots. Sometimes you know the case. You, the, there are a few cases that are very famous that when they do uh, a family screening or a, a pre-screening, they decide that the movie is not working and they decide to reshoot one third of the movie. So we have to go back to editing and the movie changes quite a lot. So yeah, sometimes you get to months after shooting is over, you, you, you start over. And then you're on other projects, you disappear, you know, and, and then <laughs> it comes back and it's a different movie. And the dogs getting involved. <laughs> no. Yeah, it looks really sunny though. I guess you've just set up your, you've laid out your apartment <laughs> to look sunny. I have, I have a lot of light, and the camera picks as much light as as they can. But it's, it's quite cool. Um, so that's been really, uh, really, really good. Uh, I've learned. I think 
I've learned a lot about layout. I'm sure there's more we could go back. And I'd like people to post any specific questions they have. Um, if we would like to try and get you back, or if, if you you know if you have any questions that come through sure. in the comments, we'll try and get you on board. Um, where can people go to find out more about you and what you do? Um, as we said, Twitter is a good place. Uh, Instagram as well, and the the my YouTube channel as well. What's the name of your YouTube channel? Uh, it would be my name under Carolina Jimenez Garcia, which is my second surname. We have two family names, and but probably just by googling it or or my handle, the Oka Infografía thing. That is so hard to to. Is that that's on that's your Instagram as well? Yes, Instagram, Twitter, and everything. But Twitter, if you want, if you want the the breakdowns of like history of VFX techniques of um, VFX and super long threads on of just movie stuff yeah and they, they're like pretty detailed threads. and I actually found really good if you know the thread on Rollerbot on Twitter if you're going to read them because the, the thread on Rollerbot is, is, is a game changer I think for Twitter cool that's brilliant and do you have a website no uh, I have a blog, but it's also in Spanish, where I I write um, articles on trying to explain things on how to start in this industry, and and I'll, I have a list of of schools in the Spanish speaking community that they can go to and stuff like that. It's it's, it's a blog on VFX, and but it's in Spanish as well. It's in Spanish, but lots of people speak Spanish. You can use Google Translate. Lots of people are learning Spanish. Lots of people speak Italian or Portuguese and they can kind of model through a blog in Spanish. That's true as well. And if anybody has a question that in or, or they need information in English, just let me know. Let's keep connected because I'm, I'm happy answering as much as I can in both languages. So, yeah, you can do that. Brilliant. So that was Carolina uh, Jimena Garcia. And we will be speaking again soon. Um, and that's the end of this episode. Thank you very much for having me and you know where I am if you need me. Thank you for coming on. <laughs>